Again, we dedicate the following words to those who have been going through a particularly dark place, dark season, dark time, dark emotions, dark mental health, dark in your finances, dark in your family. If it's been dark, this is for you. The reality is the last few months in our nation, we've all faced some dark times. Out of control virus that there's still no cure for and no vaccine approved yet. A third of Americans say that if there is a vaccine, they're not going to take it. So I don't know what that does to us. Can't go anywhere without hiding your face, except church. It's dark. We have violence in the streets. It's dark. We have racism and hate. It's dark. We have possibly the greatest gulf and political divide we've ever had in our nation's history. It's dark. And for some people, dark times nationally have spilled over into dark times personally unreasonable amount of tension and stress in the home, financial pressure, attacks on the mind and mental health in some cases because of the nature of the environment. People who were already on the edge have just toppled over and spilled over into extreme domestic violence, dangerous things happening in the home, dark times. When you're a sensitive person on the inside and your soul and your spirit is sensitive, you have to be careful because what's sweeping through a nation or even through a city can touch you because you're sensitive. And you may find yourself in a place where nothing is really wrong and yet you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. Have you ever had something wrong that you couldn't really explain? You ever had something wrong on the inside that had taken you to a dark place? And when people ask you why you're so sad and what's wrong with you, you don't even know what to tell them. It's just you feel such a darkness on the inside. Dark times. But in the scripture, we find that God is no stranger to dark times. In fact, he tells his people in Isaiah 45, during a particularly dark time for them, he tells them, I will give you the treasures of darkness. Announcing to them that I'm not going to turn on the light just yet. I'm going to let you go through this. But I want you to know inside your darkness, there's a treasure. He said, and I'll give you hidden riches in secret places. When God decides to bless you, he can make it come from obvious sources or he can make it come from secret places. But either way, he announces to his people, I'm going to bless you in spite of the darkness that you're going through. The first word I have for whoever you are that came to hear this today, God is going to bless you in spite of the darkness that you are going through. You don't have to be removed from it in order to be blessed. The lights don't have to come on in order for you to be blessed. Everything around you doesn't have to radically shift and change in order for you to be blessed. God said, I'm going to bless you with treasures in the dark. 
God who orders our steps and sees the timeline of our lives from end to beginning has marked every dark season in your life and buried treasure there. There's a treasure in your dark moments. Now Jesus told us, must work while it is day because the night cometh when no man can work. That's what he said. He said, you're going to work. You've got to work while it's day because the night comes when no man can work. And that's true. It's hard to work at night. It's hard to work in a dark season. It's hard to work in a dark time. It's hard to work on yourself when you're living through a dark moment. It's hard to work on your credit when you're at a dark financial time. But he said, you've got to work while it's day. The night cometh while no man can work. But he didn't say that God couldn't work. When your ability to work gets shut down, God starts working in the darkness. I'm going to say it again. When you can't do anything, God starts working in the darkness. God can bless you in the midst of adverse circumstances. God doesn't need everything in your life to change and start going right before he can start blessing you. God can bless you without a natural system to explain where it came from. God can give you joy in the middle of a situation that is terrible and the situation not change and yet you still have joy on the inside. And God said, I'll give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places. Now, if God is going to give us treasures in darkness and hidden riches in secret places, we need to know what darkness is. Darkness is scary because your eyes deceive you in the dark. You, you make stuff up that's not really there. You feel a way about things that you can't really trust because you're not seeing it clearly because it's it's dark it's it's emotions that are nebulous because it's it's dark it's feeling sorrowful without necessarily having a reason just because it is dark i used to hate to go to sleep when i was a little boy because all of a sudden when it got dark my cabinets turned into monsters when it got dark my toys on the floor turned into snakes and spiders when it got dark. My mind began to be tormented when it got dark. And the reality is none of it was real. I was just feeling it like it was real because things were so dark. What is darkness? Well, scientists tell us that darkness is not a thing. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. You can't measure it. You can't quantify it. Darkness is not a thing. Rather, darkness is the absence of a thing. Now, light, you can measure. You can measure how many watts are hitting me right now, making me sweat under these lights. You can measure the speed of light. Light is a thing. It can be measured. Darkness is not a thing. Darkness is an absence of a thing. So darkness is the consequence of absence. Many people have darkness today. There are some in this room going through darkness today, not because of a thing, but because of the absence of a thing. Absence of peace. 
absence of equilibrium in your mind, absence of joy, absence of love, absence of a relationship, and you're not being hurt by what's there, you're being hurt by what's not there. The power of darkness is limited to the power of absence. And absence can make you ache. You got to live long enough to know what I'm talking about. But absence can make you ache. Emptiness, when you're used to being full, can make you ache. The loss of something on the inside that you don't have anymore, that you live with for so many years of your life, can make you ache. And it can turn the lights out in your life. And so as a result, we, we shy away from darkness. We resist darkness. We crave the light. We resist times of emptiness. We crave being filled. But our disdain for the darkness has caused us to misunderstand our God. When God gets ready to do something transformative, are you listening to me? No, are you really listening to me? When God gets ready to do something transformative, he always does it in the dark. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. God started the creative process of the earth in the darkness. The first characteristic that the Holy Spirit was attracted to and hovered over was darkness. God created in the dark. Then a few days later, he looked at man who he had created and he said, it's not good for you to be alone. So he put Adam down into the darkness of a deep sleep, opened up his side, and pulled a treasure, the woman, out of the darkness of his side. Because every dark place has a treasure in it. A little while later, the woman gets pregnant, and all of the sudden, New life, babies are growing in a dark place because every dark place has a treasure in it. Adam would have never known what was inside him if God didn't take him to a dark place. Eve would have never knew what she could produce if God didn't take her to a dark place. As it was with them, so it is with you. There are hidden things down on the inside of you. Hidden treasures in dark places, but they never get pulled out and revealed without the aid of a dark season. You will never understand your full potential until you trust God enough to follow him into a dark season when you've got something really special down on the inside of you and a true destiny and calling from God you'll never reach your full potential until you walk through a few dark seasons I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places 
few chapters later in the book of Genesis, God finds a man who will actually believe him and take him in his word named Abram. This man had no children, and God started telling him that he was going to be the father of many nations. And Abram walked with God for years and did not see the fulfillment of this promise. Abram was faithful to God for years and did not see the fulfillment of this promise. Abram believed the word of God and taught his wife and all of his servants the word of God, but he still did not receive the fulfillment of this promise until Abram walked with God into a dark place and in a dark place God pulled Abraham out of Abram he pulled Sarah out of Sarai and he did it in a dark place then his grandson Jacob the conniving con artist the trickster had destiny in him all of his life but had never seen it had greatness in him all of his life but he had never seen it until one night when it was really dark he was out on the backside of the desert and God came down and wrestled with him all night long in the dark what were you doing God wrestling with a man God was pulling the treasure out of him in a dark place and I want to tell you those of you that are depressed and those of you that are crying and those of you that hate how you feel right now and you dislike what life is and the experience that you're going through it could be that God is just wrestling with you in a dark place to bring things out of you that he planted down in there for a long time and unfortunately in order for it to manifest in your life you need the assistance of a dark season you need the assistance of tears falling down your face you need the assistance of sleepless nights you need the assistance of a painful feeling in the pit of your stomach because God does his best work in dark places he pulled it out of Abraham he pulled it out of Isaac and even Jesus when he was on the cross had not reached his full potential of everything that was inside of him. But when they buried him in a borrowed tomb, three days later, out of a three-day process of being incubated in utter, or incubated in utter darkness, God brought a treasure out of Jesus. And that treasure is the resurrection of the Christ. And what I'm trying to tell you is, God is going to bring something out of you that you didn't even know was there. Everybody whose heart's been broken, everybody who's been sick and tired of life, listen to me. God's using what you're going through right now to bring something out of you that you did not even know was there. There's a treasure in you. There's a power in you. There's a beauty in you. There's something coming in your life down the road and you need to go through this in order to qualify for that. God knows what's coming God sees the days that are ahead and he wouldn't have led you into this unless he was going to pull a treasure out of you God never wastes trouble God never wastes tears God's so serious about the the tears of his children that the Bible says in heaven he bottles them if God is allowing you to go through weeping if God is allowing you to cry if God is allowing you to shake on the inside because of the trouble and the pain that you've been going through God never wastes trouble there will be glory after this something is going to come out of you there's a treasure on the inside that's about to break forth to the surface your best is coming to the surface your strength is coming to the surface your power is coming to the surface it's just that he's got to get you in the dark 
It's just got to get you in the dark to be able to bring it out. But I decree and declare the third word the Lord gave me that the best is coming out. The treasure is coming out. The strength is coming out. Don't die in the darkness. God brought you there for transformation, not to kill you. The best is coming out. You shall transform. Your mind shall transform. The atmosphere in your house shall transform. How you deal with your children shall transform. What happens in your finances shall transform. Transform. The darkness is for transformation. There you've been walking around in your life wondering what's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong with you. You're on the potter's wheel. The master potter is doing something in you. He's doing something that prayer wouldn't do for you. I don't care how you pray, nothing will change you like trouble. <laughs> I don't care how you worship, nothing will change you like trouble. I don't care how many sermons you listen to, nothing will get you like trouble. And there's something about the upending that takes place on the inside of a human being that makes you grope and reach for the hand of God. Knowing that his hand is the only hand that can reshape you and reform you. Knowing that his word are the only words that can heal you. Knowing that his presence is the only presence that can make you over again. You're in the process of transforming. You're in a season where your life is being transformed. You're in a season where treasures are coming to the surface. Now thing about treasure is we normally dig for it you know treasure hunters we normally dig for treasure but God didn't say you'd have to dig it's only in the place of darkness where God does your digging for you oh yeah he said I will give you the treasures of darkness I'm telling you there's a blessing coming that you didn't have to dig for there's a blessing coming that you're going to receive simply because of the dark valley you've been walking through there's a blessing coming to your house there's a blessing coming to your finances there's a blessing coming to your mind that you didn't even have to dig for it's going to hit you upside the head you're not going to know where it came from something's going to burst in your life simply because God watched you walking while you were crying God watched you raising your hands while you were suffering on the inside God watched you serving him while everything else was falling apart and he said I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches in secret places Acts chapter 9, we see Saul, famed member of New Testament lore, a man of massive intellect, a master of the law, a Jew by birth, yet because of his brilliance, he was accepted and granted citizenship as a Roman if you knew your history and the dynamics between Rome and the Jews, that's amazing. The Romans looked down on the Jews. They enslaved the Jews. They viewed them as second-class citizens. And yet this man was so brilliant that Rome granted him dual citizenship. Bilingual. Spoke 
five languages. An aristocrat had royal blood flowing through his veins. A Hebrew of Hebrew from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin is the tribe of kings. That's why his mama named him Saul after the first king of their tribe, the first king of Israel back in the Old Testament, King Saul. He was a brilliant man, trained to be a Pharisee, a zealot concerning the law. He believed and loved his religious position so much that if you disagreed with him, he would kill you for it. That's what the zealot part means. He was a trained and experienced terrorist. If Saul was in our time, in our day, he would be on every flight list. Don't let this man on the flight. They would watch out for him if he went into any city because he would be a bomb threat or a suicide bomber threat. He was a passionate man about his belief system, and he believed that Christianity was an affront against Judaism. And he made it his mission to seek out Christians everywhere to persecute them and to kill them. It, history records it was the young Saul, probably 11 or 12 years old, that held the coats of the older Pharisees while they were stoning Stephen to death for preaching Jesus. And when you learn to hate people early in your life, It's real hard to pull it out. He grew up impressed by his mentors thinking, this is what should be done to Christians. And so he devoted his life to hunting them, to tracking them, and ultimately to killing them. And he thought he was serving God by killing people. Be careful for folks that make their ministry out of killing other people make their whole ministry platform about what they're against and who they're against and who's wrong and who's lying and who's this and who's that. If your religion doesn't make you love, there's something wrong with you. Your religion shouldn't make you hate people. Your faith shouldn't make you want to destroy people and expose people and see people taken down. If it's not making you love, there's something wrong with it. So he was an aristocrat. He was brilliant. He had access into multiple places to live. He was a dual citizen. He had all that going for him, and yet he was still wrong. Still completely backwards in his thinking. So in verse 1, he's breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. That's a good descriptive word for him. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Saul still breathing threats. Isn't it amazing how people will use the breath God put in their lungs to threaten you? Using the breath my father gave you to threaten his child. Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Verse 2 asked letters, warrants. To go to the synagogues so that if any were found of the way, whether women or men, he'd bring them bound into Jerusalem. He's hunting. He's on his way 
to kill more Christians. He had sent them letters and told them, stop gathering. Stop having church. If you keep having church, I'm going to come get you. They didn't stop having church. So here he comes. Don't you have no services no more. If you come to your synagogue, I'm going to come and pull you out of there and drag you down and persecute you and kill you. But there was a few people in the early church that said, if you can come do that, give it your best shot. On Sunday, the first day of the week, on the Lord's Day, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Threaten us all you want to. Get your law letters together. Make us heathens. Make us vagabonds. Make us criminals if you want to. But there's one thing you ain't going to take. My knee belongs to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's still a commandment to honor the Lord by assembling together. And we're going to church. Paul found out about it. They went to church, and he went to get them. The Bible said he was on the way. He was on the journey. He was on the road, and he was almost there, and God stopped him. It was a close call, you know. He was riding up to the synagogue with his posse, and then God stopped him. We give God praise all the time for stuff he starts in our lives. But I want to thank him for all the things he stopped. I don't know about you as I look over my life. There's a whole lot of things that he stopped. There's a whole lot of sicknesses that could have killed me. But, but God stopped it. The whole lot of seasons that could have taken me under. But God stopped it whole lot of times it looked like I'd be destroyed, but God stopped it. Anybody have God stop anything for you? Shout, God stopped it. God stopped the cancer. God stopped the bullet that night. God stopped you from running off the road that night. God stopped the attack on your children. God stopped you from losing your job. God stopped you from losing your mind. The enemy meant it for evil. All hell broke loose against you. But God, I wish I had somebody that had him stop a few things, that didn't mind taking 15 seconds and giving him some thanks and praise for all of the things that he... Stopped your babies from dying in the crib. Stopped your babies from choking to death. Stopped your house from burning down. Stopped the enemy from reaching in and destroying you. Stopped that attack that was planned against your business. There's been so many things that he stopped. There these Christians are, you know, they can't go anywhere without being persecuted. Going through hell all week, persecuted on the job, persecuted everywhere. They go in the city and, and they take one little day, one little day on Sunday to go and gather together and be around each other and have their faith filled up and their faith built up. And, and here comes a killer ready to destroy them. He gets to the steps of the synagogue and God stopped him. Almost gone. Almost taken. 
but God stopped it. There's a, there's a lot of almost people in this room. I mean, you look real nice and dressed up this Sunday morning, but if we heard the story of your life, the truth of the matter is there was time after time after time after time after time that you were on the edge, just almost about to fall over, but God stepped in and stopped it. The sickness was taking you all the way down, and all of a sudden you just got better. It wasn't a strong immune system. It was that God stepped in and stopped it. There were attacks planned against your home. Attacks planned against your children. Some attacks that you didn't even know about. But God stepped in and stopped it. And as I start to think about it, I realize he's been stopping the devil all of my life. Countless of the times my foot could have been taken. Countless of the times I could have lost everything. But just when the enemy thought he had me, God stepped in and stopped it. He even stopped, this is going to be too real for you, but he even stopped stuff I didn't want him to stop. There were people I still wanted to be around, but God said, stop it. There were places I wanted to go, but God said, stop it. There was a whole lot of stuff I wanted to get myself into, but God said, stop Stop it. He knew better than I did. He ordered my steps. He guided my way. He wouldn't let the enemy get me and he wouldn't even let me get me. Is there anybody here that knows you're crazy, that knows you have tendencies to get in all the wrong places at all the wrong times and every time you try to do it, God! I wish I had a praiser in this room. I wish I had a radical person in this room that knows I'm telling the truth. That God knows how to shut the enemy down. To shut people down. To shut you down if you need it. God stopped it. It's about to kill them. Your marriage was about to fall apart, but God stopped it. About to lose everything, but God stopped it. One of our members, they've been threatened with eviction for the last several weeks, and they've been struggling, and out of nowhere got a letter that they've been, the slate's been wiped clean. They were facing homelessness, but God stopped it it just stopped it if I haven't thanked you lately thank you <laughs> thank you for everything you stopped on his way to kill them and they ride up with their horses and and boom, a light shines. The light was so intense, the word said the light knocked him off of his beast. There's no normal light. That's supernatural light. 
just knocked him off of his beast. And when he got up, the light was so strong that it put Saul in darkness. God knows how to take you into the dark. He knocks him down with the light, blinds him, and he wakes up in darkness. And he said, Who are you? God's so cool. Who are you? It is Jesus. Whom thou persecutest. It's me. One you've been persecuting. Now, this is amazing theologically. Because it reveals the truth. Paul never laid a hand on Jesus. In fact, during Jesus' earthly ministry, Paul never crossed paths with Jesus. But he was hurting God's people. And Jesus said, you hurt my people. You're hurting me. I just want to give a public service announcement to all my enemies. Be careful when you jump on me. I'm crazy. Sometimes I do backwards things. I'm not always right, but I am his. And to jump on me means you're jumping on him. Somebody say, I belong to him. He said, it is Jesus whom thou persecutest. He said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then, and then, he stood up, and all of his life he's been a leader. All of his life he's been a leader. The, the, the challenge with born leaders, like people that are born into a royal family and they're going to definitely be an heir to the throne, or people in governments that inherit uh, certain governmental positions. The, the challenge with being a born leader is if you never learned how to follow, you know, if you never learned how to take correction, it's real hard to give it. If you never learn how to take orders, it's real hard to give them. And I don't mean that it's hard to give them in experience. I mean, it's really difficult on the inside of your paradigm and your thought life. It's upending when you've always led. And now for the first time, you have to follow. Paul is experiencing a massive deterioration of his identity because he's Saul he's from the line of kings he's a master Pharisee 
And the men he was leading to kill these Christians now have to take him by the hand and lead him. And they led him away. He was, he was blind. And he was in the dark. All of a sudden, the realization and the weight of the fact that he was wrong hit him. Nothing can hit you like, especially if you live a little bit. You get a little bit into life, you know, especially if you have some time on you, a little bit of age on you. Nothing hits you like realizing that something you've been believing a long time was wrong. All those people I killed, I was wrong. All those families I destroyed, all that sin I've committed, I I thought I was right, but I was, I was wrong. Now, not only is his identity upended, but his heart is broken, torn apart at the stain of his own wretchedness. He had done something that he couldn't take back. You ever done something you can't undo? You ever said something you can't unsay? You ever gone down a path that, that there's, there's, no, there's no retracing your steps? You know, you did it, and now you just have to live with the sad reality of what you did. Saul is literally shaking and breaking on the inside for three days. He can't eat anything. He can't drink anything. And he's in the dark. He's in the dark. But it's not over. He's crushed up under the weight of his sin, but it's not over. His whole identity is being pulled apart. His mind is fractured. He's losing his equilibrium mentally. He's on the verge of a full nervous breakdown. And yet, it's not over. Because it was God that took him into the dark. And what God's doing in the dark with Paul is what he did with Adam and Eve and Abram and Sarai and Jacob. God is working his transforming power on Saul in the dark and pulling the apostle Paul out of Saul. Pulling the treasure out of the darkness. And that's what he's doing with you. This whole message is geared around telling you this simple truth. That's what he's doing in the areas of your life that are causing you to feel that you're falling apart. He's pulling a treasure out of your darkness. It was, it was later when Paul reflected on all of this that he wrote, and I want you to turn to this, 2 Corinthians 4. Listen to what he says about it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels 
that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Paul said, that's what happened to me. He said, God took me to a dark place to reveal the treasure in the darkness. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. You have a treasure in you. You may be saying, me? You have a treasure in you. You can't see it because it's dark right now. But God brought you to that place to bring the treasure out. And I declare in the name of Jesus that your treasure is coming to the surface. I declare in the name of Jesus that the best part, the God-ordained part, the strong part, the part that enables you to be pressed but not crushed, to be persecuted but not forsaken, to be struck down but not destroyed, that that part of you, the part that God put there, the part that was sowed into you the moment you were born again in Jesus, that that part of you would begin to rise that that part of you would begin to grow, that that part of you would come to the surface. And for those of you in a dangerous place, right on the edge, feeling like you can't move or even breathe, the Lord says to you, I have not forsaken you. I hold you in my hand. I'm bringing the treasures out of the darkness and I'm sending hidden riches from secret places so be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might understand who you are and whose you are understand that God did not bring you to this place to forsake you or to leave you he brought you to this place to transform you into, into who he meant you to be there's more in you than you've been seeing. There is more in you than you've been looking at in the mirror. There's more to your life than just the routine of Monday through Sunday, Monday through Sunday. There's more to you than that. And when God gets ready to show you what it looks like, he starts with a dark place. He starts with a dark place. But you're going to make it. You're going to survive this. You're going to overcome this. You're going to get through this. And when you come out of this, there will be a different name. There will be a different identity. There will be a different future. There will be the, a different way of walking, a different way of understanding, a different way of being. God is bringing your Paul out of the Saul. He's bringing your Abraham out of the Abram. He's bringing your Sarah out of the Sarai. He's bringing beauty out of the ashes. He's bringing joy out of the desperate mourning. He's bringing praise out of a spirit of heaviness. He's transforming you. That's what the trouble's been in the home. That's what the trouble's been in your mind. That's what the difficulty has been in your life. That's what the darkness has been all about. He's transforming you. So today I pray for your heart to have the endurance. Today I pray that your faith wouldn't fail. 
Today I pray the Spirit of the Lord goes before you and makes every crooked place straight. Today I pray that the fullness of His work takes place. Today I pray that God will leave you there until He's finished. Today I pray that everything He destined for you will come to pass. Today I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would flow through your heart and your mind and give you the kind of peace that passes understanding and give you the kind of strength that enables you to keep putting one foot in front of the other while God does his work in the dark. Stand to your feet and give the Lord praise all over the house.